Hi, my name is Lucas Brazier. I'm a student at SUNY Cortland. And I just wanted to take this time to talk about a topic um, that is social media and its effects on teenagers' mental health. I recently wrote a research paper for my writing studies class and about this where my, the- my thesis was that while social media provides certain positive aspects, the majority of those aspects are negative because social media has a negative effect on the mental health, lowering self-respect, and increasing the likelihood of mental disorders such as anorexia, bulimia, and depression in our teenagers. I start my paper talking about cyberbullying and the certain risks that it uh, has. Cyberbullying is when um, a teenager or anyone uses the internet, mainly social media, as a way to bully other kids anonymously. And because of this anonymity, certain people think that they can't get in trouble for this, which is a lot of the case true. Some people, you know, back in uh, a couple of years before social media, bullies would have to do it um, face to face. They couldn't do it um, anonymously. They had to confront you in person. And in that case, it was usually in the schoolyard or at school during class. And now they no longer can leave. They know um, people can no longer get away from their bullies because bullies log on to social media such as Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Snapchat and continually bully these people, even at home. So you can't just get away from it. It's impossible for these people. And that is one of the biggest problems. So they can't get away from it, so they don't think that it will ever end. And that's not just not true. But anyways, they think that the bullies feel empowered by the con- um, their confidence that they won't get in trouble. So they continue to do this and do this and do this to many people until these other kids break and um sometimes it leads to depression and in worst case it it leads to suicide which is horrible but it's what happens so in this new age cyberbullying is a big thing and part of cyberbullying is sexting and so sexting is when um a boy or a girl um sends inappropriate usually nude photos over the internet usually using snapchat and while some people think that um you know Snapchat uses um, this ability where you can send it for a certain amount of seconds, one, five, ten, then it disappears. I mean, you can replay it, but then you're notified. But a lot of people think, oh, you know, after those five seconds or maybe ten seconds, it's it's gone forever, which is just not the truth. It's it, it's out there forever, and some people don't understand that. And in a case, um, Amanda Todd, a young teenager, um, she sent um, a picture of herself, and she thought it was, you know, just a one-time thing, but it came back to home her a bully eventually found that photo of her and used it to bully her and she eventually had to leave school she transferred schools and she thought that was the end of it but that wasn't the case she continued to get bullied even after she moved schools she the, the new bully came about and eventually she came out with a youtube video where she um she didn't speak she just used cards to talk about what she had faced and what she dealt with and eventually sadly she commuted, committed suicide and, and that's what happens you know these people who are cyberbullying others um attack them so hard and so relentlessly that um the people who are being bullied don't see a way out and so the only way out that they see is committing suicide and um sadly some that happens way too often and so i go i'll go on to my next point after sexting and cyberbullying 
um, which is Facebook depression. And then there's there is I use a um, an article um, written by a woman who I I cannot cannot pronounce her name, but it's Brailuvisikia. All right, and she talks about how there's a positive correlation between the use of Facebook and depression. And after you know, after they log out of Facebook, they 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 feel this depressive nature that they need to go back on, and um, that since they use so much of their time on social media, that they it's like an addiction to them. It's like using um, tobacco. You know, afterwards they feel this urge to get back on, and they need it. And um, one of Facebook's um, what a lot of people think Facebook is really well known for and something that's so positive apparently is the fact that you can reach m- thousands of people at the touch of a button. A lot of people think that's a positive thing, but it's really not if you think about it. Because if you think about it, a lot of those people, let's say one out of five of those people, are probably not who they say they are. They could be people hiding as someone else, you know. That's what they call catfishing. When you hide as someone else, you use someone else's name and someone else's pictures to um, lure someone in to feel confident with you. And a lot of these times, you know, maybe uh, someone who's feeling um, depressed, they go to a self-help block. Um, using Facebook, you know, they, they try to find um, people who are feeling the same way. And a lot of those times, people who run those, are, are they're not professional, so they don't know what they're doing. So a lot of the times, that leads to substance abuse. Because these people who are running the blog say, you know what, you know what you need? You need to stick a needle in your arm, and it will make you feel better. You won't feel depressed anymore. You'll feel happy. You'll feel great. But that obviously leads to substance abuse. And in America, 2.6%. $2.5 trillion in 2010 was es- the economic cost estimated to um, substance abuse. And that was expected to double by 2030, which is about 12 years away now. So we're 8 years away from $2.5 trillion and 12 years away from where it was supposed to double, which would be $5 trillion. That's just too much. We're spending too much. Well, not spending too much because these people need it. But we need to... We need to get people to not be addicted, obviously. And so, I then go on to the way the ads are made on social media. Social media uses your preferences. So, let's say on Instagram, you're following five Victoria's Secret models, right? Everyone likes a nice Victoria's Secret model. But they use those ads. They sell them to cust- They sell them to big corporations. And they use those to sell to you so then they you when you scroll through instagram you have a pop-up of a victoria's secret ad where you know buy five bras get one off you know but what they don't realize is that victoria's secret model you know skinny beautiful what society deems beautiful and someone who's looking at that might not see themselves like that and so when they look in the mirror they don't see that and then they think well if that's beautiful then i'm not so then they, you know, binge themselves with anorexia or bulimia to get to what they think society thinks is beautiful. And so that they have these mental disorders where they purge themselves or they make themselves throw up after consuming food so that they get skinnier. And that's another problem that is caused by social media is, is because the ads are focused to make people feel bad about themselves and you know too many of these ads are not talking about how people come in all shapes and sizes but you know are just portraying the skinny people who society deems beautiful and so people look at that in a wrong way and they don't like the way that that works and so that leads to a lot of more mental disabilities which is sad
In an article called News Betrayals of Cyberbullying as the Product of Unstable Teen Technology Culture, written by Mylene Felt, she uses three real-life examples talking about social media's effect on teenagers. The first one, his name is Jamie Hubble, a 15-year-old boy who was cyberbullied because of his sexual orientation. Jamie lived in Canada, where, sadly, four youths under the age of 19 are known to commit suicide every week. That That's sad all of itself. So Jamie, he was cyberbullied because of his sexual orientation, orientation. He was bullied by peers from his school so much that he ended up committing suicide. And that's real sad. You can't be having stuff like that. His father was even a politician, and still he couldn't get anything about it. She then moves on to Amanda Todd, who I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Like I said, Amanda Todd was a 15-year-old girl who posted a YouTube video of her story, that she and she felt trapped. She didn't feel like she had no other way, and even though her YouTube video gained millions of views just days before, she still ended up committing suicide because she felt no one was there for her. She talked, she did not show her face, she didn't say anything, she didn't want any of that to be the focal point. She wanted to show people what happened to her and explain her story and how social media affected her mental health and how it led her to be depressed and how it led to end end up her suicide. The last real life example that Felt talks about is in the case of Todd Loyork. He was 15 when he tragically ended his life after facing relentless cyberbullying from schoolmates. And unlike Amanda Todd and Jamie, he did not receive the media attention that their um, suicides did. And no, he faced no different than they did. He was cyberbullied by people. He felt he had no other way. He felt like he couldn't do anything else. And he committed suicide because of this. He faced, um, the way he was cyberbullied was through Facebook and messages on his phone. He um, would go home. He'd receive all these messages from his uh, classmates talking about how horrible of a person he was, how he was ugly, how he had to commit suicide. This is the only way. And he believed them, and he ended up doing so, which is too sad. And so after that, after I talk about these three world examples, I talk about my counter-argument. Now, there's a lot of people out there who believe that social media has a positive impact. And I touched on this earlier in the podcast about how um, Facebook, you can reach millions of people in the touch of a button. Some people think that that's a positive thing and that this social media is letting teenagers use technology and advancing their technology aspect of their brain. And so that they could use this later in life, becoming computer scientists and technicians. But that's that's all too not often. No, not often enough is that the case where you know a student goes to MIT and says you know social media really helped me disco- discover my passion for technology. And it's usually not that way. And so while social media can help people, it's all too often a negative effect. Um, people aren't who they say they are, which is bad. You have people who give misinformation about about mental health you know they tell you oh do this do that and it doesn't help and so they're like why isn't this helping they they look at other things they look at harming self-harm and that's not what we want either and so in the end i talk about 
you know, how too many people have cell phones, and that's the solution that we should look at. We should look at how the fact of 52% rate of owning cell phones between the ages of 12 and 19. Sorry, that's 6 to 16 has a 52% rate of owning cell phones. 12 to 19% have a 99% chance of owning cell phones. Now, that, you know, you're in middle school, you're in high school, so I guess maybe you can't avoid that. You know, you're going out, you have to tell your parents where you are. But that rate of 6 to 16 owns 52% rate of owning cell phones. Six-year-olds out there with iPhones, what do they need that for? You're six years old. When I was six years old, I was sitting on my couch watching SpongeBob and watching Teletubbies. I wasn't with a cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone at that point. I didn't need one. I was with my parents the whole time. What would I need one for? And so we need, as as parents and as uh, the new generation gets older, we need to teach our kids how to use cell phones. We need to teach them to stay off of social media all the time. We need to make sure they go outside, play sports, interact with other people, and stop spending so much time on the cell phone. We have to teach our kids not to compare each other. We have to we have to use this opportunity as to show kids no longer do they have to compare themselves to other people that you're beautiful no matter what and that you don't have to look at the Victoria's Secret model and ad because that's not who you are you're different than them you're a different person you look differently and that is okay we need to push that idea that it is okay to look differently overall like I said, social media has a negative impact. It's not helping. And while it's nice to be able to connect to friends and be able to connect to classmates, overall, it's harming our new generations. They're spending too much time on the cell phone. They're spending too much time comparing themselves to others. They look they look at their Instagram feed and say, oh, well, my picture got 79 likes, and but my friend over here, she got 150 likes. So obviously she's more liked. So I have to be more like her. No, that's wrong. You have to be like yourself, okay? You can't compare yourself to others. And that's too often what is happening. We need to show our kids that we need to be ourselves. All right, so I just want to thank you for coming along here, along on this journey with me. And uh, goodbye.